Good morning, Richard Pyatt here. Community Matters for July 1, 2023. Brought to you by Lakeview Ford Lincoln in downtown Battle Creek. We have a packed show today. We're going to get right to it. Later this hour, Fire Chief Bill Beatty on concerns about consumer fireworks, safety, and the dry ground. We'll get to that. We'll check in on the field of flight, which gets underway in earnest Today, there is a broadband task force working in Calhoun County. We'll find out why. First, though, we turn our attention to the proposed Blue Oval Battery Plant in Marshall. The group called Committee for Marshall, not the Megasite, filed a lawsuit this week attempting to push forward a referendum on the issue in Marshall, as well as to suspend rezoning of the property on which it would be situated. We talked with Glenn Kowalski on the very day this week that was happening, almost the very moment. Here's what he had to say. Well, back in April, we chatted with Glenn Kowalski, who is a part of the Committee for Marshall, not the Megasite. And this week, in fact, there were some developments, really last week too, as it relates to uh, the effort to oppose the Blue Oval battery plant in Marshall. And Glenn is back today to talk with us once again. Welcome back, Glenn. Thanks, Richard. It's been a big week for your group, hasn't it? Yeah, it it sure has. It's been a little bit uplifting, I think, from the standpoint that the petitions were found insufficient. And uh, so this gives us a chance to take it to court and uh, see if the judge agrees with us to give the city uh, residents a voice. I'm sure a lot of folks have been following this, but let me just uh, try and fill in some of the color here about uh, what's gone on. So the Committee for Marshall, not the Megasite, has been working on sort of uh, honing in on the notion of the rezoning of the property uh, where the Blue Oval plant would be situated and uh, uh, working to uh, really have a voice in that, targeting that part of it. There were some issues associated with that in terms of the response that you got. But in addition, the the petition signatures, over 800 of them, that your group collected, uh, some of them were also uh, deemed by the, the clerk and marshal not to be valid. And so your lawsuit now that has been filed seeks to to look at both of those aspects, doesn't it? That's correct. As you know, we we started in uh, in early May a petition drive for a referendum within the city, and that petition involved uh, over 810 signatures by city residents. Twenty days later, the city gave us a certified letter saying that they found the petition insufficient for the two reasons you mentioned: one, that it contained an appropriation and therefore was was petition proof and in the second they interpret the charter as requiring only the five members of the committee to collect all of the signatures themselves so our filing in court was to approach those two items so the first item basically we told the city uh, may 1st and and again on june 15th that the charter is very clear that an ordinance, in this case, uh, a zoning ordinance, can be only a single subject. And that single subject is very clear in this, in that it's a rezoning. It has nothing to do with appropriation. So that is an illegal portion of the, of the ordinance. The second item, there's nothing in the city charter that speaks to only the 
the committee collecting signatures. It says they, they'll be responsible, which the committee was responsible for creating uh, the petition, for circulating it with about 40 people as part of the group, and uh, and then, you know, delivering that to the clerk within the 30 days. So we've met the city charter in both ways. And so the lawsuit uh, that we filed in circuit court addresses those two items and and we're looking for immediate relief in other words we would like to see the rezoning paused again as it was once we turned in the petitions boy that old expression the devil's in the details <laughs> this this is what we're talking about i think when you hear that so it comes down to these uh minutia i guess and um the legal interpretations therein so it's it's really interesting because uh here we have one point of view that says no it means this and we have another point of view that says no it doesn't it means that so now we we need the judge to really be the the final say in all of that does your attorney uh, i presume agrees with you in the interpretation that you have Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, he's been through this uh, before. Co-counsel also uh, weighed in on it and agrees wholeheartedly. So um, there is precedent. And, um, you know, that's what they'll be arguing in in court when they when we have our date. Mm -hmm. Is it the sense of your legal team that this will move quickly? I don't know that we have a sense of, of timing at, at all. You know, I think clearly the, the documents, you know, spell out the perspective um, that our legal staff has. And we would hope that the judge, first of all, would agree with pausing the rezoning immediately so no more damage is done by, you know, the building of the site. And then secondly, they would set the hearing date and, and move forward with the argument. You know, I think of the two arguments, you know, I think the signature collecting, I think, seems to be the one that's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's there's nothing in the charter uh, at all about limiting who can collect signatures. And I think the state is pretty clear on on how they interpret that. So I think, you know, I'm guessing that most of the argument will be on the ordinance language itself. Let's talk about the possible outcomes here. Let's suppose uh, you're successful. The judge agrees with you. Rezoning is paused. The key word there is paused, right? There would need to be other steps that would need to take place, I would think, to stop this entirely, which I think is your goal, right? I mean, you said that before. Correct. So the next step, you know, again, assuming that the court finds in our favor would be the city would be forced to hold a referendum and then that referendum within the city would decide the final outcome so if the city was to you know agree with us that the rezoning shouldn't take place that's it uh, the rezoning doesn't take place that's that's our goal if the referendum supports the zoning that's in place then presumably that's interpreted as a permanent block. Am I right? Yeah, it, I would interpret that way. Again, I'm not an attorney, but I think that's that's ultimately the goal is to give the city residents a voice. And if the city residents 
you know, ideally it would have been township residents um, because it was within the township jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't allowed. The city didn't allow a voice. Um, so now this is the opportunity for city residents to either weigh in against the rezoning and against the industrialization, both of the Ford site. Again, there's nothing specific about Ford. It's, it has to do with a large industrial site. You know, this site is 741 acres roughly, uh, but the entire mega site is up to 3,000 acres. So this is only less than a quarter of the proposed land use of of heavy industrial from 15 mile to uh, nine and a half mile. Right. So the clock ticks <laughs> and uh, and now the waiting begins. I would, I don't know for sure, but I would presume that the parties involved here would like to see some kind of an outcome fairly soon. So it would be interesting to see how the timing is. So let's talk about since we last spoke, uh, that was the beginning of April, roughly. We learned from you about the perspective that that you have, and we learned too in all of that that you felt unheard. Do you still feel that way now? Oh yeah, I think I think even more so now because I think we've had so many opportunities to to, to voice the concern, and we just haven't been listened to, and, and that includes you know the actual site approval process you know we were told early on that that would be a joint planning commission which as you know did not recommend the rezoning but specific to this property and this rezoning that planning and that approval is all done by us by a staff so it's a staff function and there's no public hearing comments allowed. You're allowed to send uh, those comments in by email, but you're not allowed to speak at any of those site approval meetings. So again, we, we just feel like they're just ignoring the input, you know, so in a site approval, you know, we would like to voice the same concerns we've had, which is environmental. We don't want to see stormwater runoff with who knows what chemicals, lithium plus any other battery chemicals washing into the Kalamazoo River. Um, there's already been damage to the to the land with the large amounts of crushed concrete and lime that have been applied. So, you know, we'd like our voice heard. And I think that I think that's even stronger now because of the resistance to hearing that voice. We also talked a little bit about the idea that that you wanted to have some some dialogue with Ford. Has that eventuated? No, we've, we've tried. In fact, I specifically tried with Dan, you know, to set up a town hall type meeting where we could take him down to the site where we would like to see a state park, a recreation area where there's a railroad crossing that could be access to a bike trail and hiking trail. I thought it was going to go ahead, um, but then at the last minute, they pulled out and said, no, you know, we're willing to have coffee, but we're not willing to to have a town hall. We've been trying to have a town hall with, with Ford since it, Ford announced that they were the builder on this property. 
we just haven't gotten anywhere. Our township supervisors tried, our board has tried. I've tried significantly. I've tried to get our legislature involved. Sarah Leitner, our representative, uh, Albert, Senator Albert, our senator, and we're just not getting very far. So um, we haven't given up. I think it still would be worthwhile dialogue, but but really now it's all about the rezoning, right? So that doesn't really, it's not something that Ford can speak to. It's it's mm-hmm. between us and city. Yeah, I get that. Uh, you mentioned Dan. I think you're talking about Dan Brady, who's uh, one of the, the Ford Motor Company uh, folks who's been out in front on this project. I appreciate the notion that um, basically you're saying nothing personal, Ford. It's the nature of the of the beast that we're concerned about. You know, it's it's interesting, Glenn, because as a, a person who's been in communications for a good part of his career, it, I find the communications aspects of this somewhat interesting. That is to say, here you are with your group, you feel unheard, and so you're taking steps to try and and uh, and be heard. And sometimes that involves raising your voices and and approaching with some amount of perceived dissension. On the other side of that, I hear folks say, just just come to us with a reasoned approach and we'll listen with with solutions and potential compromise and we'll listen. So boy, uh, it's just interesting that there's there's a lot of emotion involved in all of this. Do you think we can get through that and have both sides sit down and talk through their issues. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's the number one goal. And I, I wouldn't speculate on the outcome of that. But if you don't sit down and talk, you can't get to a resolution. And, and that's what we've wanted right since December, right? I mean, we've wanted dialogue. We've wanted to open up the conversation. And we've been shut out. And so... Yeah, you're right. There's there is emotion. I think initially there was a lot of emotion. Everybody that I've been involved with, I'm very proud of. I think they've handled themselves very well. I think we were behind uh, understanding what was going on over the last six months plus. We've now gotten ahead, and so we're now we like to think we're a step ahead of the opposition. But that doesn't mean we can't sit down and talk about things. I mean, we obviously can't talk about the litigation, but that doesn't necessarily involve Ford and that doesn't involve uh, Meta. It's with the city uh, and and the committee. So, yeah, and, and I think the sooner that happens, the better off everybody is, because at the end of the day, I think there can be a resolution. Again, I can't speculate to what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, it would be that we left the land alone. Well, that's it's pretty late for that. So whether the land can be reclaimed or not is is a question. But but we don't need to start with that. We just need to start talking. We have made a very specific park proposal to Meta, who owns the land. We think that's the right approach because they own the land, right? They use the state money. We'd like the state to be involved. We know that MEDC is involved because they gave Meta the money. So we'd like to have everybody. I've invited uh, Quentin Messer from the head of MEDC to sit down and talk with us. We've talked to him at each of the appropriation meetings. Um, He just hasn't necessarily listened. If there was a compromise here, what do you think that would look like? 
could they build this plant in some way that the committee for Marshall would be okay with it? I don't think that's part of this committee's role. Um, This committee has a very, very specific role, and that's to bring this to a referendum. So I, I don't think the committee can really could really speculate beyond that. Um, but there's there's many other people, including some committee members, that could be part of that. But but this committee is, is very, very specific. The goal is a referendum on the rezoning and the rezoning only. Okay. Then let me let me ask it this way. What does Glenn think the compromise could be? Uh, clearly your opinion here and, and you've been out front, so you have some perspective. Do you think, Glenn, that this could be built in some way that makes those of you who are concerned about it uh, have your concerns assuaged? The answer is, I I hate to say it, the answer is I don't know. There's so much we don't know. We don't know what the materials are going into the plant. We don't know how they're going to handle those materials. We don't know uh, anything about the details of how they would handle a spill. So I think before anyone anyone could answer a question like that, you have to you have to understand the details that we haven't been told yet. So I, I think if you looked at all the concerns and if you could address all of those concerns, then obviously there there would be a chance uh, to move forward. But we're so far away from that now, it seems difficult to even contemplate. But again, if you don't start, we would like the EPA and uh, EGLE, E-G-L-E, to be way out in front of this and start that dialogue now about what materials are coming into the plant. You know, how are they going to be handled? This this process, although experimental in the U.S., is running over in China. Okay, so why isn't the EPA and, and maybe EGLE, why aren't they over in China understanding the process so that they can explain it to local residents and, and we can have input into how that might work uh, adjacent to the Kalamazoo watershed. So I can't project, you know, I think if, if all those questions could be answered and solutions could be made, I'm sure there could be a compromise, but I think it's just too far away now. When last we spoke uh, in April, you talked about how you'd been in contact with uh, folks who had similar viewpoints in other parts of the country. I think it was Georgia. Maybe there's some others as well you've had since then. Have they been a continuing source of input and encouragement, support, whatever the word is you want to use, as you've gone uh, ahead over these last couple of months? Absolutely. In fact, actually the same day that we filed the lawsuit and then gave the clerk copies, there was a, a joint protest up in Lansing with the the people from Detroit, the people from Big Rapids, from Mundy Township. We all met in uh, Lansing and uh, spoke our voice uh, in unison. And then we've kept in touch with a group that was very helpful out of North Dakota. We're still in contact with a group in Georgia that also was successful in a similar situation. But definitely we have a close tie with Big Rapids and what's been going on up there. And then the city of Detroit, which is going through something different, but similar in terms of corporate welfare, I'll call it. Are there parallels that 
those other groups in those other states have drawn to this project and say to you, hey, that's just like our situation and we were successful? Or are there gray areas? Well, there's a lot of similarities. In fact, uh, Reuters did a, a, an article on this and they're, and they're doing a, an article with us. But in terms of mega sites across the country, they, they've grown exponentially. And, and so when we talk to our colleagues in Georgia, North Dakota, Big Rapids and, and Mundy uh, Township, you know, more locally, it's a similar situation where the state ultimately using in federal dollars, the state brings in a bunch of money, buys up the land, tries to take control of, uh, from the locals and ram it down their throat. And in North Dakota and Georgia's uh, case, you know, they were successful in, in stopping that. The case in, in Georgia may go to the state Supreme Court. It's in appeal now. Uh, but in the Dakotas, they uh, they were able to stop. But yeah, very similar. And I think this is this is really the story, right? It's it's really the state had a lot of federal money. They had to find something to do with it. Obviously, economic development is is key for everyone. This site was easy and available, right? So all of a sudden, the money started to flow, and the afterthought was what local people think about it. Um, and that's where we really should have started. We should have started there back in 2018 or even sooner. You know, there's at times been some discussion of folks who live in close proximity to the plan development, uh, their concerns about being so close. Some of the response to that has been, well, their property values are actually higher. They could consider selling. Since we talked last, have you seen folks who have decided to sell or not sell? And has have you seen any outcomes in that regard in the last couple of months, people who've made up their minds about that? I think some of the people who didn't sign that have been part of our core group, I think are still, they're still in that position. We do know that the land purchase and land option has moved to 12 miles. So that's right on the border of, of Marshall Township boundary. So we know there's been additional properties uh, purchased or, or options purchased. So that continues. But I think the people who don't want to sell are still in that position, whether that'll change or not. As time goes on and as the maybe the price goes up, I, I can't speculate. Also, our Marshall Township hall is directly across from this mega site. So they've approached the township to sell and the township has given them an a, a, a proposed offer, um, but we've not heard. So I think things I'll say in that front are kind of stabilized for the moment, but they are pushing westward. And I expect that the goal ultimately would be to buy up the full 3000 acres. What about you? Have you discussed with your family, uh, listen, if this thing goes up, we're out of here or, uh, we'll stay, but dot, 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 whatever. Have you talked about that? What, what might happen for you if this goes forward? Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I think my wife and I, you know, we're empty nesters and although our children, you know, two of them live in the state, you know, we've talked about it probably weekly since this started. And I think they're 
there's definitely a feeling that if this is to continue in the path that we see ahead, it's, it's probably not the right place for us, which is hard to say because, you know, we have the house that we, you know, we could spend the rest of our days at. It's a ranch. It's, it's in good shape. And, but I think the community will change. I think we have a person who's coming back to the Albion Marshall area from, uh, from California. And she happens to be a, a lawyer in Florida. Uh, she's licensed in Florida. And we talked about the fact that this is the way Silicon Valley started. And mm-hmm. so if you start to project the size of this core site, and then you speculate on the rest of the land usage that's readily available, I mean, this could become a whole new metropolitan area that that we really haven't seen in decades and maybe even longer. So that's, that's probably not what we want that my wife and I came from the city of Detroit. We grew up in the actual city of Detroit mm-hmm. and we moved our family here to be in a, a small town and, and we've loved it for 30 over 36 years. So, and I think that's why we pose this is that, you know, like most people that think like us, we'd like to see the town stay small and, you know, people talk about growth if you're not growing, you're dying. And I, I'm not a big believer of that. I think the world, the United States, and even cities can't continue to grow forever. We, you know, there's already too many people on the planet and we have to learn how to, to live within our means. And I think, you know, this is a time, you know, for a small city like Marshall to stand up and fight for that. Well, it sounds like a, a good place to leave it for now, at least. Let's stay in touch, Glenn. I'm sure there'll be more to talk about as this moves along. Yeah, great. I appreciate the opportunity, Richard. Glenn Kowalski, Committee for Marshall, not the mega site on Community Matters. Mm-hmm.